Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Yay, so good. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. And a wonderful welcome to all those other churches in the network of Foundation Ministries International who are joining us uh, this weekend. So I really appreciate uh, seeing you guys, and uh, thanks for joining us. So good. Yeah, uh, as we reflect towards the end of this year, and, you know, there have been so many terms that have just been rolled around, you know, like... Uh, this is unprecedented, it's unusual, we've never seen this before, you know, we've got to pivot into new ways of doing things, and, uh, you know, there's so many different things that have changed in our lives and the way we do things, that it actually requires a new way of thinking, and that's really what I want to talk to us about uh, today, and to just acknowledge that Jesus can change the way we think. And he can change it for the better. And so I just want to encourage you that you don't have to stay the same, that actually God is working in your life to cause you to become who he created you to be. In a sense, his his ultimate plan and vision for your life, he's actually going to cause it to come about. And so we're looking forward to the new you. (laughs) Not just a new year, but a new you. Because we transform from the inside out. You know, it's not about external compliance and external behavior, but when we are changed on the inside through our thinking, through our belief system, we then begin to live differently, we behave differently, based on the fact that we come into alignment, there's another word that we've heard so much this year, we come into alignment with the way God wants us to live, the way he wants us to think about life and our own lives, and as we begin to do this, so we live differently, we are changed. And uh, so I've got good news for you, you can change. Woohoo! Yay! The reason that this change is so important and so necessary for us is because our grid, our belief system, influences and impacts the way in which we see the world and the way in which we pray and the way in which we prophesy. So, you know, we don't need more prophets of doom. Whether it comes in a can or not, that doesn't really matter. That's very much a South African joke. But we don't need to be people who are soaked, steeped, marinated in negativity. That's not going to change anything. We just become an echo of what this world says and thinks. And because there, there is the impact and the influence of the father of lies across all uh, forms of communication, that there's, you actually don't know what to believe anymore. There's so much fake news. There's so much manipulation. And the narrative is actually managed. And so you can get canceled if you don't agree with what they say. 
And so there's fear and negativity that's causing so much doubt and confusion in the world. And if we want to be uh, filled with all of this stuff, it's going to impact not only our, our emotions, our hearts, but also our thinking, our belief. And then we begin to verbalize and we begin to live out from that place of being infected by this world's thinking. Rather than what God is saying about what we need to be doing. So imagine Ezekiel when he's confronted with a crazy negative situation, a valley filled with dry bones. And God says, Hey, can these dry bones live? Now, just with carnal, natural thinking, it's impossible. There is no ways. I mean, it's just bones. It's not even, you know, bones assembled together. There's no flesh. There's no tendons. There's no, it's not just like, hey, the, these are some bodies that are a little bit unwell. Or, hey, they've just died and maybe there can be some resurrection life that can come to these, these bodies. No. Just bones scattered, not even in the right order. None of the other components there, no organs to be seen. And so Ezekiel could have just operated out of the natural, the negativity in terms of what was in front of him, what was broadcast to him. Kind of like, well, there's no hope. Ah, Ezekiel says, sovereign Lord, you know. So God knows some things about the future that we don't know. <laughs> and this is what gives us hope. Because God sees things differently from what the news channels are telling us. From what uh, all the so-called experts and authorities are trying to persuade us to think and believe and behave because they want us to be restricted. They want us to be locked down internally, not just externally with our behavior, but also internally. They want to control the way in which we approach life and the future, hope, all these kinds of things. Guys, it's spiritual warfare that's actually taking place. There's a clash of kingdoms that's taking place. And so I want to just encourage you that you don't have to sit under all of this stuff. You can change because God is busy changing us. Yay! Yeah. So I'm going to give you the punchline and then I'm going to work towards the punchline again. Is that all right? Because I want you to, to know where I'm going so that when we get there, you're kind of like, okay, we got there. All right. Here's the punchline. God has made me to become an optimist. He's changed me. God is in the business of changing us and making us to be who he wants us to be. And God is an optimist 
and he's changing me and us to also become optimists. So for those of you who've had enough cheers, God bless you, thanks for tuning in. But for the rest of us, I'm just going to give you some breadcrumbs along the way so we can actually see how we get there. Is that all right? Okay. Would you turn, please, to Psalm 16? Just a most beautiful psalm. David speaking just words of life and courage and hope into our lives and our circumstance. Psalm 16, verse 1. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Hey, there's a good verse for what's happening in the world right now. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Folks, it's not in our hand washing, in the sanitizing, in, in all of the social distancing, in all of these kinds of things that we're going to be kept safe. In fact, we've heard so many stories of people who were so careful and they still got the virus. In other words, we cannot trust in our own efforts to be safe. We have to trust in the Lord. Come on, this is a brilliant lesson that God is giving us for free. <laughs> we say these things, oh Lord, you are my refuge, you're going to keep me safe. It's only when you're faced with danger that this actually becomes a reality for you. God is blessing his people with an opportunity to move from a place of theory and into the place of reality. We think we believe things, but we're going to come to a place where we know we believe things. Oh, come on. These are great days for the church. Come on. I'm, I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Hey, in Jesus, we have a good thing. Just as we were looking at last week in Luke chapter 2, the whole announcement of good news, glad and happy tidings, joyful, glorious proclamations of God breaking into this world. Hallelujah. With his first coming and of course we're looking forward to his second coming. But we do so because we know that God is good. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Oh my goodness, people, we think that, hey, this is just something that happened way back there in ancient times when people didn't know any better. I want you to know it's happening in our day and in our time. I'm going to say something a little bit controversial, but why not? It's the end of the year. See who's actually listening. Folks, this whole spirit behind Black Lives Matter is not Christian at all. In fact, it is anti-Christian. It is anti-godly values. It is anti-the family. And when it says take the knee, we do not bow to any other but God. And when it says say the name, no, we do not call up the names of the deceased. We do not call the spirits of the dead. We do not summons them. And we do not pour out libations 
as those who are heading up those marches have done. Gone to the very place where these people have died, where blood has been shed, and have rituals and incantations and using occultic religious practices to call up the names of the dead. Folks, this is happening in our day and in our time. It's time the church actually wakes up. There's a spiritual battle taking place. Oh, lost a few people. Cheers. That was, all right. Folks, we've actually got to take a stand for truth and righteousness. If it's not coming out of the Bible, if it's not coming out of Jesus, it's not coming out of the kingdom, it's coming out of a different kingdom. So I will not, this is the psalmist saying, I will not participate in these things. Now let's not, you know, just only reserve this kind of caution or rebuke just for one sector. Hey, there's a whole lot of other stuff and pagan stuff that we run around and we actually got to stop it. Got to stop running around pagan green trees and things like that as well. Verse five, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Oh, such good encouragement how God wants to pour out blessing and favor, goodness on his people. That he's totally okay with us experiencing the pleasant places. That he, he gives to us a delightful inheritance. Folks, walking with Jesus doesn't mean we mope around with a somber, sour face. With, with a, a, a sense of we deprived of all good things. No, we're filled with joy and gladness because we know that God is giving to us the way that's going to lead to life. And we can avoid all these other traps and things that appear to be good but actually will cause our destruction. That's why we're happy. Hallelujah. Yeah? Just because the cyanide pill has got a sugar coating on the outside, you don't take it because of the sugar. It's poisonous. All right. So we say, thank you, Lord. You make my lot secure. You are my portion and my cup. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the cup. Thank you, Lord, for the new covenant. Thank you, Lord, that you are my portion. I will praise the Lord, verse 7, who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. And God is speaking to us in, in dreams and in visions. Even last night I had just this crazy, hectic vision or dream that the Lord was speaking to me about him purifying the body of Christ, purifying believers and a fire coming and burning up all the stuff that was just made on, on human sweat. And he was like taking it all away so we could actually see what was genuine. And in the dream, the person had, had kept stuff that they thought was just, you know, like spare stuff in another shed. That was the only thing that remained. They had the wrong focus. They didn't realize that they should have been focusing on saving the stuff that God wanted them to give themselves to. 
And all the stuff that they were giving most of their attention to actually went up in the flames. And I think that for a lot of our lives, we're going after the wrong stuff. But hallelujah, in this time and in this season, he's bringing refining fires <laughs> to remove the dross and to remove all of the chaff and to take away the stuff that's been a distraction. Hallelujah. Verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Folks, this is a powerful word. Because we are in God, because we are with him, and because he is not shaken, we too will not be shaken. Come on, we remember early in the year, as we were in Hebrews 12, that we are receiving an unshakable kingdom. So God is not shaken, he's not worried and concerned, he's not quaking on his throne, wondering like, oh, is this the end of, of his rule and reign? No, he is secure. Because he is secure, because we are in him, we will not be shaken. Yes, folks, as we cross the threshold into 2021, Many people have a negative expectation that it's going to be a very difficult and tough year. In the natural, probably will be. In the natural, a lot of things are going to be shaken. A lot of businesses and companies and all kinds of things, political leaders, rulers, all different uh, aspects to life is going to look very different in the next few years. There's a whole lot of shaking that's going on. But us, we're not shaken. Why? Because we are with him. All right? He's with us. So we can be secure. Verse 9, therefore, okay, in Scripture, you always got to ask, why is the therefore there? And the therefore, there's a connection. Because God is with us, because he's not shaken, therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body will also rest secure or live secure. Hello. <laughs> Operating from a place of rest. I'm still going to get to that message one of these days. From a place of rest we can be secure in Him. My body, come on, my body can rest secure. I can be at peace because why? I'm not going to be shaken. Why? Because I'm with Him. So I can be glad, I can rejoice, I can have an anticipation of good things. Even if there's stuff going around, I don't have to get into depression and negativity, become a prophet of doom because things around us are going badly. Because I am with God, I can rejoice. I can be glad. Okay, I'm hearing the amens even from your lounge. Either we can allow the world to tell us Rejoice or be sad, or we can allow God to tell us, rejoice. 
what are we going to choose? Listen, the world is going to con us anyway. So let's listen to what God says. If God says rejoice, then hey, let's rejoice. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, that's your good old favorite Psalm 23. Right? So God is working, he's moving contrary to what we're seeing in the natural world. So I can be glad, I can rejoice, I can rest secure. Verse 10, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Come on, people of Joyburg, this is for us. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Pleasures are eternal, not temporary. There's a joy that God is giving to us because we know that we are with him. He is with us. We are secure. He's giving to us good things. We can look forward to the future. Come on, bring it on 2021. We can look forward to 2021 and years beyond that because we are with God and we are in God and God has the final say. So I'm becoming an optimist because God says the future looks good. (laughs) I'm getting onto his page. His page is, hey, the best is yet to come. But what about this? What about, it says, whoa, 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 you don't have the whole story. You see, we see in part, we prophesy in part, that's the best that we can do, right? That's even for people who are tuning into the living God. For those who do not even have connection to the living God, all they can see is death, destruction, negativity. They're tapping into things in the second heaven realm, not into the third heaven realm, right? So there's war in the heavenlies, that's happening in the second heaven. But God sits in the highest heaven, in the third heaven. And there's, I mean, there's no war going on in there. I mean, that's already been sorted out. You know, I mean, Lucifer chucked out. Long gone. Yay. Ho. So good. God knows how it's all going to wrap up. So in Romans chapter 15, if you want to turn there quickly, Romans 15 and verse 13 speaks about the God of all hope. You see, God is filled with hope. He's not, you know, like, oh, doubting and I'm not too sure, whatever. No, he's the God of all hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Right? So there's a trust, there's a believing, there's a faith. So that you may overflow with hope. You've got so much hope inside of you that you're overflowing with it. It spills out wherever you go. How are you doing this? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. God spoke to a guy called Zechariah in this crazy lockdown and they were wanting to do the rebuilding. 
and they looked around and everything looked bleak. Kind of like, how are we going to reestablish the economy? How are we going to build things? God speaks to him. In the middle of massive lockdown, all the rest of it, he says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Come on. How are we going to see all of this taking place? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to overflow with hope as we believe, trust in him. So our thinking is so critical, so important. You see, the book of Revelation, chapter 19, tells us of the return of the victorious, triumphant, glorious king. That's Jesus. He's coming back, and he's coming to sort out all his enemies. He's not coming in defeat. He's coming in glorious, victorious triumph. God wins. And because we're in him, we get to win as well. This is why God is an optimist, because he knows he's going to win. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, speaks about him coming back for the bride that has been perfected. The, The church, that's us. We've been made perfect. Things are going to get better in the body of Christ, in the church. That's one of the reasons why I keep coming back. Because I know it's going to get better week by week, year by year. The body of Christ is getting made ready, made perfect, glorious, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Hallelujah. Yay. Jesus is not coming for a church in defeat, cowering in the corner with a bully beans and candles and purified water, hiding in a cave, waiting for him to just steal us away. Nonsense. He's coming back for a victorious, overcoming bride. <clears throat> Yay. Come on. We're on the front foot. We're not on the back foot. How about this? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It speaks about the government is going to be on his shoulders. For to us a a son is born, a child is given, right? And so the government is on his shoulders. And of the increase of his rule and reign, there's going to be no end. And his kingdom is going to be established forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty is going to accomplish this. His kingdom is expanding It's on the shoulders of Jesus that true government rests. Don't panic about what's happening with political parties and earthly governments, whether it's in this nation or across the pond. You don't have to worry about it. It's going to be okay. Relax. The government that we really want to see is Jesus' government. And we've given this promise that he will win. It will not be stolen from him. There will be no rigging. There will be no nothing. (laughs) All right. Revelation 11 and verse 15. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. That's, I mean, that's telling us what the end of of all of this is. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. We're here for takeover. 
God is here for a takeover. He's here to take over the kingdom of this world. He's the king of the kingdom. And he's saying, I am the king of the earth. He's the king of the whole earth. He says, I've come to take over. And because we've been adopted into the royal family, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Because we've been adopted into the royal family, because he's the king, guess what? We get to rule and reign with him. It says the kingdom of this world. Come on, guys. We're here to take over. I do believe in one world government. His. <laughs> Come on. God is going to crush Satan not only under his feet, but also under our feet. He's causing us to be the victorious ones. Now, God is an optimist. God knows the outcome. He's secure on the throne. He's looking forward. He's the God of hope. He's looking forward to the outcome. That's God. What about us? Hey, when we're in his presence, we can be changed. We can change from a negative one to become a positive one. We can have a mindset that is victorious because we have the mind of Christ. Not the mind of someone who's defeated. We begin to be conformed and transformed. So let me just throw a couple of scriptures at you and then I'll give you the punchline one more time. All right. Do you remember when Saul, who was going to be the first king of Israel, Samuel the prophet, he said, the spirit of the Lord, this is First Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. When the, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, we can be changed into a different person. You don't have to stay in your negativity. You can choose to come out of that. As you come into alignment with what God says and you come into His presence, the Spirit of the Lord can come upon you and change you into a different person. Folks, that's my testimony. I used to be a very negative person. I used to be able to see everything that was wrong. I got this amazing gift. If I walk into a place, I'll see where the cobwebs are. I'll see that the picture's hanging skew. I'll see where things haven't been put in right order. I can see these things. Now, that can be used negatively or it can be used positively. Negatively, when you look at it like that, everything's wrong and you only see what's bad in the world and everything's going wrong. And my goodness, it's really easy, it's not prophetic, it's really easy to see what's wrong in this nation. That's not prophesying, that's not being prophetic, that's not even the gift of discernment, that's just opening your eyes. Some Christians think they're being very prophetic when they're telling you everything that's wrong. Nonsense. It takes a prophetic person with that ability to see what's wrong, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying about it? Because you want to bring order. Come on. 
The Holy Spirit was hovering over the chaos of the earth. And then he brought order. And then God said, it is good. (laughs) A change can take place. Those very things that you're able to see in the negative, say, Lord, what is it? How do you see the future? Because this is not the end of the story. We're just on the path. We're journeying with him. All right? We need to, as 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 tells us, take every thought captive. You're seeing all that negative stuff. You're watching all the negative news. Hey, don't go down the rabbit hole and all the conspiracy stuff and, and, and think it's all going to go down the tube. No, that's not where we're headed. That's not what God said. So you actually need to bring everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, his kingdom and his plans. You've actually got to take those thoughts captive. Stop thinking in those ways. Don't feed yourself on that negative stuff. You actually need to come to the scriptures. Feed yourself on the bread of life. Yay. All right. We... In his presence, like Saul was changed into another man. How about this in Romans 8 and verse 28? We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. What's he doing? He's working for the good. He's not working for your bad. He's not working for your downfall. He's working for your good. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. All right? So God's got this plan that we would be conformed into his image. Okay? You've got to remember the, the kind of speak here that Paul is using when he's writing to the Romans. Remember that in the Garden of Eden, Right at the very beginning, creation, God created man, Adam, in his image. Sin comes into the world, that image is marred, it's broken, it's twisted. The second Adam comes to restore, to refresh, to bring back, to get the standard back up. We now can be conformed back to the original image. So he's speaking to us, hey, be conformed to the image of his son. Now if the father and the son and the spirit are optimists, guess what? We've been conformed back into optimism. All right, another one for you. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 And we all who with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Hey, it's that thing of the Holy Spirit again, changing us into another man. We're being transformed into his image. Right? And so as we embrace the mind of Christ, As we take every thought captive, 
we begin to be changed as we immerse ourselves in the scriptures, what God says about us and the future. We become aligned with his plans and purposes. Our belief system changes, then our prayer life changes. And our prophetic words change. We begin to prophesy hope and glory and order and victory and change. Yay. We begin to prophesy the kingdom of God is coming in increasing measure. Because that's what the Bible says. Especially at Christmas time. <laughs> Come on. Yay. It's all there in the word. And God is calling us to align ourselves with what he says that we might actually see it happen and we might be part of establishing that kingdom. Hallelujah. So God is making us his children to be like him. God is an optimist. We are being conformed into his image. He is changing us into optimists. Amen. <laughs> so good. Folks, wouldn't you like to be an optimist? Wouldn't you like to, to change from being a pessimist and negative and just you know, moan and groan and mope? How, how do you feel? What do you do to your own emotions when you come into agreement with somebody else who's so negative around you about the economy, about the government, about SARS, about you know, anything and everything? Even the cricket team. How do you feel when you come into agreement with that negativity? Do you feel uplifted? Are you buoyant? Are you kind of like, oh, man, future's looking good? Or does it take you down? Scripture says, hey, think on things above. We to come up. So, come on. Let's get on this journey of being changed. Let's pray together. It's not by might. It's nor by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in our hearts, our minds, our lives. You're causing us to shift and to change. You want us to grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. You want us to come out of negativity and pessimism and journey, grow up, mature into optimism. Thank you, Lord that you are working this change inside of us, that he who began a good work in us will bring us through to full completion. Thank you, Lord. We can trust in you. So I'm asking, Lord, as we begin to reflect on the new year and what it's going to bring, we ask that we would prophesy hope, glory, Victory, the kingdom of God being established 
in our street, in our suburb, in our city, in our nation. That the best is yet to come because God is on the throne. So we give you praise. We give you glory. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Guys, you cannot but have a happy new year. Bless you.